Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Steeping Together, the podcast where we explore the vast world of tea over a cup of tea with tea enthusiasts. I'm your tea-obsessed host, Marika, and as usual, so delighted to be with you all here today. Ah, meditation. A centuries-old practice that seems to be on everyone's lips these days. An exercise that is free for anyone to perform in order to find or maintain a sense of balance in one's life. Sounds easy, right? Please. It seems everywhere you turn, there is a new meditation practice, a friend there to tell you that their meditation practice is better than yours, and helpful tips and tricks to a better meditation practice masquerading as beneficial when they are in fact alienating and condescending to the very people they are claiming to want to help. Now, I have tried meditating for years, sometimes with success, and many times, well, not. And like everything else in my life, I have tried to pair my meditation practice with tea, which can be, well, a controversial topic. So today, in order to discuss the benefits of meditation and an approach that is more inclusive for all, we have with us Sarah Gallagher-Bloom, yoga instructor and tea enthusiast. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Marika. I'm so happy to be here with you. I am so happy that we finally get to chat in a formal way because we've had so many wonderful <laughs> informal chats and for our listeners to discover who you are. Sarah, could you please introduce yourself the way you'd like to be introduced? Sure. Well, you know, at at at, at my heart, I am a human who is fascinated with other humans. I am a mother, a seeker, a wife, a daughter, a friend. I wear many hats. I am fascinated with the tools and techniques that each human uses to be able to manage life. My particular um, zone of, of genius, if you will, is in the movement and meditation and breathing practices. Um, my offerings stem from the yogic sciences and technologies. So I'm excited to be here with you today and riff on meditation and tea. This is so much fun because I love how comprehensive your introduction was. You're not just a yoga, in yoga instructor. You're not just one thing. And I think in modern society, we forget how many labels and hats Everyone is wearing all the time. All the time. And, you know, this is the exact demographic time in history that the meditations and the yogic technologies are designed for. They are designed for householders. Mm -hmm. Busy lives, messy houses, doing too many things, underslept. These are all tools to manage modern life. Right. And these tools have been around for thousands of years. It's nothing new. It feels new because when you look at Instagram, like everyone's got their yoga studio, yoga practice, meditation routine. It feels like in the past few years, it's really become at the forefront of everyone's mind that like you have to do this. <laughs> and the thing that irks me to no end, it's kind of like in the tea world. There's so many people in the tea world where it's like, if you don't make your puar tea in this way, you're doing it wrong. And it's the same thing with meditation. If you're not following this particular practice and carving out this particular time to do it, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's just so limiting, right, that kind of thinking. Because, you know, I guess my perspective on meditation is 
do what you can, when you can, when you need it, and make it a little more regular than not. Right. <laughs> you know? Like it's kind of that, you know, I, I have I have I have very deliberate practices, but what I'm saying is that the rise of of yoga on Instagram and meditation on Instagram is because humanity needs it right mm. now, right? There is this surgence of the spiritual tools. How the heck do we manage the material of our minds? Mm-hmm. How do we manage the overload and the and the burdens that we are all participating in. Yeah, no, it's it's it is quite overwhelming and I think especially in our society we're told to push through the difficult. Keep pushing. Give more energy. Answer all the emails, answer all the notifications. And at a certain point, you can resource through tea, you can resource through food, you can resource through mm. companionship, but how do you feed that fire within you. Call it a soul. Call it, you know, your core. Call it whatever you want. How in the world are you supposed to give that energy? We've found any number of ways to replenish our cups in a material way. How do you do that for your for yourself, your true sense of self, who you are? So that's kind of what I want to unpack mm. today mm. If, if, you're, if you're willing to join me on this. Well... <laughs> One of my favorite topics. <laughs> you know, how how do you how do you converse with your innermost being, mm-hmm. which is this indivisible energy of your soul? Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, the our soul is infinite. Right. Right. We are at first an energetic being that incarnates into the container of a physical body mm-hmm. at a certain moment in history. Mm-hmm. And then it's just we got to manage living on a polarity planet. Mm-hmm. So with all of everything that we've just mentioned, the busyness, the emails, the text, the answer now, the push more, how do we get to the place where we can even begin to have the dialogue that we have a soul, mm-hmm. that then you can also have a relationship with your innermost self, mm-hmm. that then there is a direct line of communication that can be developed Mm-hmm. When we create space enough to be able to listen. Right. To listen to yourself, to listen to your feelings, to listen. I like the way you present it because I think what stops a lot of people from even asking that question is they say, oh, I don't believe in having a soul. Mm. Or I don't believe that this energy is infinite. or I don't. And the argument I always make is you don't have – you can believe whatever you want. You can look at your soul as a battery. Totally. You can look at your soul as just your emotions and not your higher consciousness. It kind of doesn't matter. But can we all agree that resourcing (laughs) is crucial to our survival at this point? Well, yes. So whatever... You want to call it. I love that battery. Yeah. It, it doesn't – pick know. a word. Pick yeah. a thing that works for yeah, you. Don't trip over the language, yeah. right? Because language can be so triggering. Um, but whatever that relationship with your innermost being, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. You know, this is what I have found over the – particularly over the last accelerated two years is that the the tools that I used to use to resource, to replenish, to to set myself straight again, to, you know, kind of shake off a stressful situation, 
they're no longer as effective. I, it's like our my toolkit, and then I'll just, you know, broad stroke it. I believe that right now many of us are in great need of sharpening our tools for resourcing ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like we need a new current of information to come in. We need a new way We need to dream another possibility Mm -hmm. of how to create and carve out this time and space because I think that that's that's at the essence of all of this is to find time and space to have an authentic relationship with yourself. Right. Yeah. An authentic relationship with yourself is probably the most important relationship you're ever going to have. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I, I I work, you know, I have all of these different hats. I can't give the things I need to give to the people that I love if I'm not charged up. I'm doing them a disservice. Yeah. And it's, you know, like when you take a plane and you go through the oh security measures, Oh, my God, I was totally right? picturing this. It's so <laughs> counterintuitive. Like when I had kids, it was so counterintuitive. They're like, put your mask on first before you put it on your child. You have to fight every instinct you have as a caregiver to do that. What you just said to me is the key to any sort of healing. Mm -hmm. And again, change the word of healing isn't your word, but like any sort of reawakening of who you are, what you are, what's your purpose, is this, it is all counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Because the way that we got to where we are was through our thinking mind, right? right? Or through the experiences of our lives. And the way to something different is not through the same practices. It's counterintuitive. It really is. So for instance, in the physical body, you know, when someone comes to a yoga class, it's like my right hip hurts. Mm -hmm. Well, the source of the, the, the site of the pain is usually not the source of the pain. Right. And that is what is also counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. So this is like a wonderful moment for us to get really creative about what are going to be the tools. Maybe we've overlooked them in the past, but what are new tools? What is counterintuitive to what we know? Because quite frankly, you already know what you know. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure you do it I really love well. the simplicity of that <laughs> statement. What you know is what you know. You know it. <laughs> and where did it get you? <laughs> exactly. you know? With the pain in your hip. Right. That's where it got you. <laughs> patterns. Yeah, patterns. Yeah. And you can break a pattern. And I... I I encourage people to do this if only because, look, whether you like it or not, your physical being is growing. You are, we are currently. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now, we're aging. Like our body is on this path. And so when you talk about, you know, you're basically talking about growth. Having that authentic relationship with yourself is a part mm. of that growth. So you can be in line with your body. Your body's doing it anyway. So wouldn't it be fun if, like, your mind and your inner being did the same thing? Just the thought. I'm putting it out there. Amen. <laughs> you know, one of my one of my teachers talks about how, you know, in the energetic realms, your energetic being negotiates the body that you're going to come into. Just like right. you would negotiate buying or leasing a car. <laughs> And so it's really fun to think about it in this way, right? That your body is the vehicle. Right. Who's the driver? Yeah. Is there a passenger? Yeah. What is counterintuitive is that we need to make the breath the driver Mm -hmm. and the mind the passenger. Right. 
Oh, wow. That is counterintuitive. Oh, I need my mind. I always thought my mind was the driver. I'm a Gemini, so. <laughs> Your two minds are the driver. Your two minds are a driver. <laughs> okay. I want to be able to understand how to make the benefits of meditation open to all. And as with most things in my life, Sarah, I have a story to start with that starts with tea. Because in my mm-hmm. world, everything starts with tea. So <laughs> um, I read this a few years ago. I haven't been able to trace back one of the hundreds of books on tea that I've read in my life where I saw this. But essentially, when tea was introduced to Japan a few thousand years ago, it was introduced uh, by a convoy of Chinese monks who were hosting Japanese monks for a, you know, exchange of information. They were part of the same spiritual base. And the Chinese monks had a green tea, very similar to matcha, mostly ground, but not as matcha as we understand it today. And they were like, hey, you guys, you want to meditate better? Do it on this stuff. (laughs) This stuff, this is the stuff. And so when the Japanese monks returned to Japan, they brought with them this green tea. And it created a massive divide. I cannot express to you how much contention. This is about 50 years of internal debate within the Japanese spiritual community, whether Meditation on tea, meditation with caffeine was valid or not, because could you reach enlightenment or clarity or replenishment whilst under the cloud or fog of this drug? Because lest we forget, tea is a drug. <laughs> it's got it's caffeine. So this always made me think that there is a right way to meditate and there is a wrong way to meditate. And that has stopped my personal mm. growth for many, many years. Yeah, I mean, this is the essence of being on the planet at this time. And I know I keep saying the planet and humanity, but we are on a polarity planet, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a right and a left. There is an up and a down. And the big question becomes, how do we mediate polarity to create a trinity so that we're not creating war. Okay. I was with you for like half of that. Okay. (laughs) So like explain it to me like I'm five. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, you've got two differing opinions. Okay. That is a polarizing stance. Mm -hmm. Where is the middle ground? How do you create a mediating understanding? Because polarizing views create war. Right. Right? Okay. So – the, the To me, the most spiritual word in the world is and. Oh. Okay? Okay. So the, the Chinese and their ground matcha-like tea mm-hmm. are right and so are the Japanese. Okay. Yeah. To me, that is how we're going to bridge it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not so interested – like, let, let me just back it up. Our mind, particularly our subconscious mind, mm-hmm. which you can imagine it like your iCloud storage. It's finite. It's massive, but it's finite. The yogic science says that – For every blink of an eye, you have a thousand thought forms. Sorry. (laughs) I literally lost my breath when you said that. (laughs) Right? There's way too much information for me right now. But okay, yeah. 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 So in the blink of an eye, we have a thousand thought forms. We can process one of those thoughts. Right. What happens to the other 999? (gasps) They get dumped in the storage, Mm -hmm. right? They get dumped in the subconscious mind. So we have thousands and thousands of 
entries, Mm -hmm. if you will, Mm -hmm. into our subconscious mind, which is, again, a finite storage unit similar to your iCloud. Mm -hmm. You pay for monthly, right? Right. Upgrade the storage. You got too much. It's it's like a place to hoard stuff. Every thought you've ever had. Well, and this is the thing. Yeah. Is that it does. Yeah. Store every thought you've ever had. Right. So what thought is leading the show? Is it a current process mediated thought? Is it one of the ones disposed of that you're accessing from the storage? Mm -hmm. Where is the thought coming from? What I want to say about that is sometimes these polarizing thoughts come from the subconscious mind. So it's not not even like we've consciously processed it. It's just that's what's informing Mm -hmm. a moment. Evolutionarily speaking, that's incredibly useful because even though you're not consciously aware in every single moment of your day that you've had these thoughts or that you've received this information. And when you need it, you can retrieve it. What we have now, though, is we have more information than our brains are capable of storing, sorting, and comprehending. Exactly. You know, and this is is our our kind of, you know, long way around – why would you meditate? Mm-hmm. You would meditate to offload the subconscious mind. You would meditate to clear out some of the subconscious st- of the storage. You know when you do your digital clearing? That's exactly what I was thinking. I yeah. was like, you're t- you're talking about emptying the trash yeah. on my on exactly. my Mac. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did a tech week this week with the you know, I am not very tech savvy, although I am learning. <laughs> and I have a teacher who's a great teacher, and I never thought that I would think tech was so much fun. Right. Like getting all of my digital stuff organized, I was like, oh my gosh, it produces the same kind of joy in me that working through a difficult, cluttered emotion Mm -hmm. gives me. Oh yeah. No, I I feel deep satisfaction in the organization of my folders. Oh yes. Oh so nice. Oh (laughs) what so this is this is the this is the other piece is we have these subconscious thought forms Mm -hmm. that are in our storage, that determine what we think, what we're going to do. So we have a subconscious thought form that's like, no, don't, medi- no, don't meditate. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, they're right. They're wrong. Right? Because if you're in a polarity or if you get really, like, opinionated about the how-to and the why-to, you're narrowing the possibility. And I, I understand that that's what some of us need to do. That's how we're oriented. Does it serve you is all that I would say. Right. Are you a happier person? Can you sit and enjoy a cup of tea? Right. <laughs> right? And, and, and tea is such a magnificent metaphor for meditation. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> so just like, you know, a few minutes ago we said our body is the vehicle – well, you can imagine that your body is the cup and our the, – the resourcing practices are the tea. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, what, they're what fill the cup. What are we filling our cup with? You and I are, are on the, the, the same idea that our tools that we've been filling our cup with are no longer serving us in the most effective way. Mm-hmm. That it's like this, this time in history to search and seek for something else. Yeah. Meditation – would be taking a sip of the tea from the cup. With the it, same pensive intention. It sounds so simple when you put it that way. <laughs> so. It's like you're like, just take a sip. Take a sip. Just take a sip. Yeah. I mean, we want to know who's driving the vehicle. Right. Right? We want to know, or at least I want to know. That's where my personal right. fascination lies mm-hmm. with, is in in our, the messiness of a householder life. Like, how can we become 
more authentically who we are and meant to be mm-hmm. in this round. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, it's interesting that you say that because why would you want to be more authentic? My answer to that has always been, well, it's easier. Yeah. It's just easier when you're just yourself. It's hard to begin that journey in the same way that it's hard to begin the journey of meditation or adopting uh, jogging. You know, whatever new thing you're going to do, those first 10 minutes to 10 days are the worst. Like, they're the worst. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's just it's such a slog. But when you eventually become who you are, and that can be a lifelong journey. Yeah. This could take a whole life to get there. But life feels a little bit less heavy yeah. after a while. So, But you need the energy yeah. to pass through the threshold of doubt in those first 10 days. Yeah. Right? Because it's only once you pass through all of the excuses in your mind. Oh, I don't need this. I, oh, this sucks. <laughs> you find all the reasons not to. Which is one of our mental bodies, right? Right. Like it is one of the filters. It's one of the lenses that our thoughts need to pass through. Right. But then what the notion here is then do we have enough energy to pass through the threshold of what our kind of protective mind, the the part of us that sees the obstacles, Mm -hmm. do we have enough energy to pass through that lens to get to the, the kind of like, hell yes, I'm doing this? Yeah, yeah. But the car needs the right gas in the system to be able to do that, yeah. right? Our body needs the right fuel, the right yeah. energy to be able to make any of these changes. Right. And your mind and your habits trick you at every turn. And I say that because for years I was not effectively meditating. And the reason I say that is because I was gaining nothing from the practice of meditation but frustration and anger. And ironically, for someone who I pair every single minute of my day with a tea. Like, this is where I'm at. I'm about to start a new document at work. What tea am I drinking? I'm going to walk to the subway. What tea am I drinking? Like, this is where I have a problem, something we can unpack in a later episode. But meditation, I swear, is the one thing in my life that I cannot pair with tea. And it was when I got out of that habit and I broke that thought formation that I started to have effective meditation. Because even though this beverage is my life, this beverage is my love, Mm. this beverage is my career, it was not serving me in the moment where I needed to take a minute carve out a space, and clear out the junk folder in my brain. (laughs) And that was surprising, to say the least. You know what I mean? It took me five years to to do that, to realize this thing that has given me everything in my life does not serve me in this particular moment. So interesting. So that's kind of my advice to people who want to start meditating, is you really have to look at What helps you to get into the headspace where you feel like your meditation is helping you to evolve? I mean, is that Mm. more or less true? I mean, the results of our meditation are in our experiences and how we meet the waves of life, right? So for sure, that is one of the ways to measure, you know, your, your relationship. Is this working for you? Right. Right? 
the people around you are going to tell you yes or no. Right. And I just want to say sometimes when we're like it's 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 sometimes when we're churning up all the material, all the files, all the junk, it's like a muddy water. You know when you when you when you like walk on the the bottom of a a, a sandy lake or a mm-hmm. muddy lake, the mud churns up. Mm-hmm. So the junk arises Mm -hmm. and that's sometimes where we quit yes right because it's like i can't meditate my brain doesn't stop well your your mind isn't supposed to stop that's the job of your mind we would be concerned if your mind just stopped (laughs) right you have bigger fish to fry if your brain just stopped (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but what happens is that when we first try to meditate we, we that is often the first time that we really see or feel or experience how kind of chaotic it can be in there mm-hmm so this like churning up of the muddiness of our stuff can really bring, you know, issues to the surface. Mm-hmm. Then what we need to do is we need to to stick with it. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, there is a subconscious thought form that says, this is no good for you. So I guess what is the nuance between, is this working for me in my life? How do, and do I have the energy to pass through these obstacles mm-hmm. to see what's on the other side? I don't know. <laughs> no one can answer that no but yourself. Answer. That's right. Because you're in full contact yeah. sport with yourself when you're full, doing this. Full contact. You know? Well, yes. Because you were describing like your subconscious kind of throwing up these barriers. Like you're not doing it right or yes. you're still thinking or whatever. These are pain points. You are wrestling with yourself in that moment because yes. your brain is trying to protect you. Your brain is constantly trying to say, this is a pain point. Ignore it. Keep going. Yeah. So can you find another way? And that's where it's counterintuitive. Right. Right. So if we're stuck in a thought form, right, the Chinese can meditate on their tea, but the (laughs) Japanese are saying that's sacrilegious. Right. Right. That is, they're stuck in a thought form. Mm. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know. Right. Try it on. But like what gets you to carve out that space for yourself? Right. I mean, that's where we get to be creative. That's what I'm interested in because I feel like the more I'm hearing you talk, I am gratified to know that there doesn't seem to be a one-size-fits-all for this because I feel like that's what social media tells us a lot is that you're supposed to have, first of all, an extremely clean home. (laughs) Everything should be white. Everything should be – you should probably have one potted plant in the corner. (laughs) And your yoga clothing should be pristine if not flawless. And then you can really start meditating, right? Yeah, get the look right. Get and the then look gonna, right yeah. and everything else will follow. My house is clean, disinfected, but always messy. Yeah. I have two children under the age of six. There's no way. Quiet. When I'm quiet. <laughs> I work full time. How, how do I carve out mm. this space? And what you're proposing is you carve out your space. How did you say it? As much as you can. Whenever you can. You know, just to begin, we need to remove the obstacles, right? So so make it simple. You know, if it is on the metro, on the subway, on the bus, and you close your eyes and you're going to take, you know, 10 deep breaths, five deep breaths, there's a meditation, right? It's just, it's a moment to drop in. Mm. It's a moment to become present with your internal weather system. What weather pattern is up for me today? Because that's going to give you information on how you approach your day, how you interact with, you know, the person you're buying your tea from, with your coworkers, with yeah. – it informs your day. For sure. So my big, like, starting point is just start. 
Don't overthink it. It doesn't have to look a certain way. You don't need a candle. It doesn't. You don't have to have a meditation cushion. You know, you can sit in the driver's seat of your car. Mm-hmm. You could sit on the bus. You could, you know, you could go anywhere and just decide to drop in for a minute. And what does drop in mean? Maybe you just follow the inhale and the exhale, right? You just notice that you're breathing. Right. Breath is cool, right? Oh, Involuntary yeah. and voluntary mechanism. Breath can anchor your mind. By simply being aware that you're doing it. Potent, powerful tool. You know, I've, I've spent the last, you know, 25 years meditating my brains out. I have done every <laughs> meditation practice you can imagine. Really, I really yeah, have. Yeah, no, I believe you. I just, I just like the <laughs> thought of you meditating your brains out. Oh, my gosh. I want to put that <laughs> in my space at home, like a sign in front of the door, like, do not disturb. I'm meditating my brains out. <laughs> that's my new that's my new mantra for meditation. Okay, please continue. Sorry. <laughs> because it's counterintuitive. It's so counterintuitive. Right? We yeah. are very invested in yeah. our mind leading, driving the vehicle, leading the show. Right. And there's just more information. There's more information out there to be able to navigate life with. Right. But it's just we're we're oftentimes um removed from a mediated decision based on a certain weather pattern. Right. Does that make sense? It does because I feel like, you know, especially living in Canada with, you know, we're dealing with sleet, we're dealing with snow, we're dealing, you know, every day is a new adventure. Um, And you have to check the weather. It's going to, what boots am I wearing today? Am I bringing that extra scarf? Am I, should I wear the mittens or the gloves? Like I look at the weather and I make a thousand decisions based on the external impact it's going to have on my day. But I almost never do that with the weather system within me. Mm-hmm. Are there clouds approaching? Yeah. Is it muggy? Is it a clear day? And it, you shouldn't have any judgment to where you're at within your own weather system, but an acknowledgement that it is there That's is key. the first step to success. That's key. Because as soon as that kind of judgment comes in, we've polarized ourselves again. Right. Right. We're in the shoulds and the... It, it needs to look this way, and it, we're getting into the the basically the stuff that keeps us in old patterns, the stuff that keeps us stuck. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Every time you say polarizing, now I see myself splitting into two, and then if I polarize myself further, then I'm split into four, and then I'm split into yeah. six, and it keeps splitting and splitting and splitting to the point where I can't reach that next step because I'm not whole anymore. Yeah, you're fragmented. Yeah, completely fragmented. Yeah, good visual. Cannot take that next step forward mm-hmm. if you're fragmented. Mm-hmm. So there's also judgment in our society that if you take any kind of time for yourself, you're selfish. Oh, my gosh. You know, we're, we're at this moment in history of the business that um, we're creating, and one of the the discussions mm-hmm. in, in Morpho Blue is what – is vacation time and what is considered appropriate vacation time. And I'm like, you can have as much vacation as you need. I'm sorry, this is at your business? Yeah. And you're currently hiring. (laughs) Well, this is, (laughs) yes. I'm sorry, just that is enough for me to be like, I love David's tea, but you said what now? (laughs) I just, I just, I don't think that we can quantify the time off that we need for vacation or for mental health days or... You know, I believe that if we were to remove that as a restriction and you didn't have to fit yourself into, right. you know, 50 weeks of a year or two weeks of a year, that we would just be a little happier. Yeah. You know, you'd flow a little better. It's something interesting. And, you know, not to say, oh, David's tea is so amazing, but it happens to be the place that I work. 
and something that got started two years ago that I rolled my eyes at when it happened was it was announced that we were being given wellness days. Mm. And I and I remember being so sarcastic about it. Like it was announced and I was like, oh yay, wellness day. <laughs> and then and then I am all about the wellness days. Because there was something about not making it vacation days. Yeah. And there was something about saying setting that intention that this is not a sick day. This is not a vacation day. I mean, I can take wellness time on my vacation, but there was something about saying, no, I'm taking a wellness day. I'm going for a walk. I'm going for a massage. I'm going to eat a three-course decadent meal. Whatever you call wellness, whatever is good. So, so, so important. Well, that feels really liberating. It really is. Because you don't have to like – I mean, I'm thinking of like the old world models where it's like six days and it's like, it's not that you're sick, but you just can't, you can't, you can't do it another day. Yeah. And so it's like this, like this shame of a sick day when really it's just like, I just need a minute. Yeah. You know, I just need to resource myself somehow. Yeah. So I would, you know, I'm really interested, you know, again, I, my experience is that our tools and our ways for resourcing ourselves are no longer as effective as they used to be mm-hmm. because of the ever-changing landscape of a global pandemic of, you know, what it is to be a full-time working mom and have kids at home and two, you know, four people in a 800-square-foot yeah. apartment. Yeah, that was right? my, like, I told you about my life in like, this. Yeah, that's- <laughs> how, how, how do you show up as your best self day after day when it's, yeah. you know? Yeah. So there's there's a wear and tear that i believe that the kind of um the like emotional fallout of the pandemic is yet to come right and that we need actual places to gather we need actual you know moments to share together mm-hmm. like you and i are sitting and having a cup of tea and we sat before we pressed record and we we enjoyed each other yeah. and it was a moment that we were both dialed into that we dropped into and something like tea, something like breath, something like meditation help us be in a moment. Mm-hmm. I think right. that's what I'm realizing now is that, you know, like I said, I've, I've meditated on and off for many, many years. But in my mind, meditation has still been closed off in a room, most often my bathroom, but closed off in a room <laughs> and, and just thinking or not thinking, just focusing on my breath. Mm-hmm. But... Are you, in fact, proposing that if I start giving myself permission to be mindful during the preparation of my tea, that is, in effect, a mini meditation? Yes. Because I make tea eight times a day, minimum. And are you on autopilot when you make it or are you dropped into the present moment? Are you feeling the cup? Are you smelling the tea? I mean, I watched you make a cup of tea for us, and you were—you seemed very engaged in the moment. But right. is that true the other seven times in the day? Not necessarily. Right. Yeah. So if you were to, you know, there's these wonderful practices that 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 many teachers have have proposed over the years, or, or you know, offered. It's like every time you walk through a door, you take a deep breath. Oh wow! So you know, like maybe it's yours. Every time you make a cup of tea, you're going to really feel the material in your hands. You're mm-hmm. really going to smell smell the tea. I and mean, where my brain just went is that these are all practices mm-hmm. to awaken our senses. Right. Meditation is a very sensible practice. Mm-hmm. It is about absorbing ourselves 
through our senses Mm -hmm. into the act of our choosing. Feels so deep, right? You know, but I love it because it's it's that you can give yourself such depth many times a day. Yes, that seems a little self indulgent, and I'm digging it. Put your mask on first, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. I could keep talking to you for days. Yeah, well, let's do that. I mean, how, I mean, uh, where is your studio? I didn't even, I didn't even ask you. I'm that like. That is okay. That, I mean, you know, the last thing that I wanted to do coming out of a pandemic was open a brick and mortar space. Like. I wonder why. That's not so smart. No. And yet I, I, every ounce of my being believes that we need a space to gather in a conscious way. And I believe that in an intentional space that we can be a catalyst for global change, for mm-hmm. change um, of each one of us, you know, in our own being by giving people a place to be seen, mm-hmm. to connect to themselves, to connect to others, and to be cared for. Right. In a conscious way. Everybody deserves to yeah, be cared for. Right? I mean, it really is a kind of basic human right. I mean, it, it really is. You, you have the right to be cared for. Yes, you do. And you can't always do that yourself. It's great if you can, but it's nice to also have a safe landing spot. It is. And there is a beautiful, um, there's a beautiful, um, I don't, I'm trying to find the word, like, you know, you're saying like I can't meditate in my house because it's 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 clean, but it's messy. Mm-hmm. There is something about going to an intentional space yeah. that just gives you. It sets up the parameters for you. It mm-hmm. does that work for you, mm-hmm. right? It's like you know, you arrive, and what oftentimes students say is they come to the studio and they just they did just the smell of it, just walking through the door, their nervous system starts to chill, right? Right, and then you've got. Ideally, very positive interactions. You've got a movement experience in your body, which, you know, movement is medicine. Yes. Whether you're moving your body physically or you're moving your mind or your breath, right, that we are moving energy. So these, you know, anyway, all of these combinations are are little recipes for joy. Um, and I just, I see them. I love that yours is through tea. Like, I really feel that from you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I I I love how you were looking at me like, should I keep going? And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> keep going. Because one of the things that I have to work on actively is listening mm-hmm. and giving people that space to finish their thought. And we're it's another thing we're doing to each other is we're constantly overlapping and interrupting and interjecting. And it's just because we want to be seen and cared for. So I could just let you keep going and going because I think you create a really nice space to become your the best version of yourself free of judgment. Mm. That's really, really nice. I thank you for sharing that. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really believe, and, and, you know, my teachers have given me this, is that when you can see the, the jewel inside of a person, they might not know their worth or their potential – But if they can be looked at through the eyes of someone who can, anything is possible. I'm going to stop right there because I feel like that's the thought we should definitely end on. So I'm going to pour you some more golden lily. Mm. And I'm going to raise my glass to the jewels within ourselves. Thank you. Jewels, darling. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) All right. We're going to keep drinking this and we'll be right back. 
Today's episode of Steeping Together is brought to you by Organic Serenity Now. Breathe in and out. Again, focus on your breath. No? Not working for you? Well, that's why we created this tea, Organic Serenity Now, for all those moments in life when you need, well, serenity, like now. Because every time I sit down to take a moment for myself or try to meditate because I deserve it, something invariably comes up. But now that I've incorporated Organic Serenity Now into my life, things are going so much more smoothly. Forgot to send that document? Serenity Now. Kids spilled full cups of milk on the rug? Serenity now. Keep having to remind that one colleague that they are on mute in every single meeting? Serenity now. Breathe in and out and make yourself a cup. Serenity now. Because you can clearly see when you're on mute, Dan. Welcome back. It's time to play What Are You Drinking? The quiz where we ask our guests three situational questions, some realistic, some completely out there. And they have to use all their experience and expertise to tell us what they would drink in any one of these given situations. Sarah, are you ready to play? What are you drinking? I am. All right. Now, please don't feel limited to tea. Okay. Any infusion, any drink. Okay. It's open season. So question one. It has been a very, very long day. You have taught class after class, and even though you love connecting with all your students, some have been particularly demanding. Time to shake it off and make the most of this evening in order to get ready for the next day. What are you drinking? Evening, huh? Yep. Okay. Afternoon, I would have said something very different Mm -hmm. to evening. So evening... um, I'm drinking a a non-caffeinated, um, soothing kind of chai, cinnamon, cardamom, star anise, um, ginger tea. That's what I'm I'm drinking. I'm on board. Yeah. All the spices that you named, except for the anise, are all in the category of warming spices, mm. heat activation spices. So I'm interested. Why you chose that? There's no wrong answer. Mm. I mean, this is a game without points, right? This is not. not, I'm not judging you based on this, but it's interesting that you went there. Did you go there for the comfort aspect, or did you go there? You know, we think of caffeine as being like the only activator, but like these spices, when taken in conjunction together hot like you described there is an activation element that happens within you so where did where did you where they're did gonna you move go? they're gonna move energy they're right? gonna this move is gonna stuff. create circulation so what i where i didn't go is that i'd probably put honey and some kind of a okay you know also a like a, a non-dairy milk in it um i would have said mostly for the comfort and if it had been a hard day it's nice to move that energy. Right. Those spices are going to help with that. I mean, a lot of those spices are found in um, garam masala, yeah. which is one of, you know, India's greatest spice blends. And garam masala literally means like, I can't remember the exact translation, but it's a uh, hot blend, heated blend. And it's, it is to move that kind of energy. I go to those for comfort. I almost never think about the energy involved. I'm always like, but I love ginger. (laughs) 
so good. But um, very interesting choice mm-hmm. after a long mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Shake it up. Move that mm-hmm. energy around. I like it. Are you ready for question two? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful summer day, and you're excited to spend the afternoon showing support at this year's Pride Parade. What are you drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking a hibiscus. Cold or hot? I'm thinking cold. Okay. I'm thinking cold. Why hi- just just hibiscus, no sweeteners, nothing else, just straight maybe up a ice. little bit of maybe a little bit of something sweet because hibiscus can be pretty um, tart, right? Yeah, you know, little mint, little cane sugar, mm-hmm. little sweetened something in there. Okay, hibiscus is really my summer go to. Right, um, I find it extremely refreshing. Yeah, and satisfying. I love hibiscus. <laughs> I really love hibiscus. <laughs> There's no better I love reason. the color of it. I love the taste. <laughs> There's no – I love how immediately you reacted to that. You were like, oh, hibiscus. Like no question in your mind. It's hibiscus. <laughs> no hesitation, second answer needed. It makes sense, especially if you're at a parade, you're outdoors, in the sun, all day – it's pride, so it's that explosion of light and color and excitement. Um, but you're in it for a few hours, so that refreshing hydration <laughs> is going to be key. Is really going to be key. Excellent, excellent answer. Thank you. I love it. All right, question three. Mm. The odds were slim, but you found the golden teacup, and with it won a trip to Billy Bonka's Magical Tea Lab. You get to create your dream tea. Every ingredient and every flavor you could possibly ever imagine is available to you, and there are no limitations. What are you drinking? Oh, my goodness. Well, I feel like I'm drinking it right now with this, with this, the, the, the... um, Golden Lily? Golden Lily. Yeah. Like, it feels like a complete... Soothing, nourishing, party, satisfying. It's like a flavor profile that I love. And it's also exotic. So I kind of travel in my mind, you know. The – I know it's not jasmine. Why am I forgetting the Magnolia. Magnolia. Like when I think of magnolia. So I guess that's what I would design. I would design a tea that takes me on a creative, imaginative vacation. Right. And – Jasmine, magnolia, that sweet fragrance, Mm -hmm. that's where I want to go. That's really interesting because I feel like most people, when they would have heard that question, would have immediately been – and this uh, this is not to make fun of anybody who would have answered this way. They just would have been like, I like chocolate, so I'm going to put chocolate. And then I like roses, so I'm going to put roses. And it's a completely valid answer. What you did is my favorite kind of journey with tea – which is the creation of a moment. Mm. As much as the flavor components are essential to my enjoyment of a cup, the story that a tea is trying to tell is far more fascinating to me. And the moment where I converge with that story is like, every, it, it, this is the dragon I have been chasing for 20 years. <laughs> like when that happens, I... Go bananas. I love when that happens. So, yeah, you really said that, you know, this tea is taking you somewhere. Yeah. It is absolutely, it's a, it's a lightly scented green oolong. 
absolutely trying to take you somewhere different and otherworldly, even though it doesn't have a lot of different flavor ingredients or a very complicated flavor profile. But I really like how you. Well, it was a direct that. flight. It was. <laughs> it was a direct flight to somewhere lush and warm. There's an ocean and there's sun. That's where I went. <laughs> you, you could not have captured that better. <laughs> I love that you said direct flight because these teas are originally from Fujian province, which is the province that's right across from Taiwan. And when you get off the plane in Taiwan, Sarah, the humidity hits you, but it's a floral humidity. The air smells of humid tea. I have no other way. To, and it's not just because I think of tea 24-7. That is the smell. So it makes me so happy that that's what you got out of this cup because that's what this cup is. It's getting off a flight into a new world. Yes. I'm so happy that's what you got. Oh, my gosh. I really am. I really am. I think we've only scratched the surface of what we could have talked about today. I'm so happy that we've taken these first few baby steps in being able to carve out a space for yourself, time for yourself. You can call it a healing journey. You can call it a growth journey. You can call it a recharging of the battery. Doesn't matter. It's important to have that space for yourself. I want to say I'm going to go home and start a more regular meditation practice. But let's be real. Like, I I still feel like I don't know how to do that aside from taking these moments when I'm making my tea, Mm -hmm. when I'm in the metro or the bus. Mm -hmm. Concretely, like, how do I do that more regularly? Yeah, I mean, there are a million ways to meditate and there are a million traditions to follow. And it's like this giant sea of possibilities, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, One of the... And I, I think I mentioned I spent 25 years meditating my brains. That's so why I really like I've, I've spent years doing different practices. The practices that I've recently been doing for the last three years are exactly like this cup of tea. They were a direct flight somewhere. Right. And they're, um, they're kundalini kriyas, mantras, mudras, um, eye focus. And those are the practices that I do right now. That was my upgraded. Mm-hmm tool mm-hmm. to meet these times. Right. You know, that 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 was really birthed, you know, a little bit pre-pandemic, but really useful for during what we've, you know, all been living through. So the where do I start? I think you start by dreaming how do you want to show up in life? How do you want to live out this life? What do you want your the people you love to experience from you? Mm-hmm. And we start, in a sense, from the dream state and work backwards. Right. And then it's about, okay, you know, for me to show up as my best self, I got to carve out a little time. Maybe it's going to be more often than – maybe you're going to remember it each time you're making your tea or you're on the bus because those are going to be little, like, built-in habits. Those are the – how that's the, like – the in gate, right. right? And then in time, we can develop a more um, deliberate, formal practice. Right. Right? But not if it trips you up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah, you've yeah. got to work with your weather pattern. You've got to work with what's real for you. Right. You know, one of – I've spent the last two years creating this program that, like, demystifies meditation. It's like 
I launch four of them a year. It's like, here's a 22-minute meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, I call it the imprint because we're imprinting new patterns of possibility because we literally need to upgrade the circuitry of this vehicle, which is your nervous system, to be able to meet what, what the requirements are. You know, we our our cell phones update automatically overnight when you plug them in. But like, does our mind and body and nervous system? You, you have to you have to almost force yourself to do it. And it's interesting that you make the parallel with technology because everybody, not everybody, but I'd say most people have access to a smartphone now. Nobody's still working off rotary. You know what I mean? <laughs> My kids are like, what's that? You know, is that like nobody's still working off like a switchboard? Is why wouldn't we do the same for ourselves? Yeah, <laughs> totally. The meditations are ways to upgrade our operating system. Yeah. There's a lot of choice out there, so it's hard. I really get that. It's really hard to know where to begin, mm-hmm. um, which is why I've created this program, The Imprint, to imprint new patterns of possibility in a really digestible way. Right. So it's like, you know, we do these 40-day practices. We do them four times a year. It's 22 minutes a day. I'm like, and if you can't do 22 minutes, I'll give you an 11-minute recording as well. So like on those days where you're just like, I can't do it. Right, yeah. No, you get a win. There's an 11-minute recording. So we meet live. So there's like, there's a community engagement. There's this this level of accountability because that's the other thing, right? Who's, who are you accountable to? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, we're trying to be accountable to our innermost being and to ourselves, Right. But when we're getting there, sometimes being accountable to a group, to a community, to a class, it's why like it's so much easier to go to yoga class than it is to yoga at home. For sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you're you're held in a space. Yeah. So I create these 40-day containers that hold us in a meditative space Mm -hmm. that really demystify and unpack how do I do it? Why am I doing this? What am I doing? And we do it together. That sounds so inviting and just so Attainable. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, oh, I'm going to have to size. restructure my whole life to accommodate this. That sounds like something you can integrate pretty easily and pretty regularly. And what a wonderful gift. Thank you. So thank you so much for, for this conversation. I had too much fun. Amazing. I know we're going to keep talking after the recording, but for our listeners... It ends here. (laughs) So thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you would like to reach us with comments, questions, or suggestions for the What Are You Drinking game, you can do so at steeping.together at davidstea.com or through our website, davidstea.com. Have a great week and happy steeping, everyone. 